Welcome to Screaming Cinema Podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Max, and joined as always by Tyler. Hey, Max. Up, How's it going? Good. We have a interesting episode. I've been excited about this since we started the podcast back in February. Uh, and while one of our co-hosts, James Cole Clay, is out, we are lucky enough to be joined by at least what I consider a Christmas horror expert. Um, our guest has had a horror movie podcast for a number of years, and it's actually the first one I started listening to. And every year they have an awesome horror Christmas-themed episode. So welcome uh, Josh, a.k.a. Wolfman Josh from Horror Movie Podcast. What's up, man? Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. And yeah, this is definitely one of my very favorite subgenres of horror. So it's exciting to be here to talk about it. Yeah, we've done, I think this will be our eighth annual christmas horror episode this year so yeah it's it's one of my favorites yeah that's awesome tyler uh you'll have to give a listen sometime but um just trying to come up with new stuff after eight years of talking about christmas horror where there's genuinely probably 10 you know what you'd put on like top movies and then beyond that obviously <laughs> there, there's some manageable ones and, and watchable ones but tons and tons and tons of garbage <laughs> We've had a few uh, weak years, but I've been impressed as the years have gone on. I think there have just been a lot of new Christmas horror movies in the 2010s. That There's actually been quite a few good ones. I think there's only been maybe one or two years where we didn't have anything great to talk about. Yeah, I would say uh, out of the last you know 20 years uh have been a lot of really good Christmas horror movies come out. You know, uh, you know before then, all you really had was... Uh, you know, the Silent Night, Deadly Night series and like Gremlins and, you know, like Black Christmas and stuff like that. So uh, I think they've definitely, uh, you know, kind of been on a roll with, you know, releasing at least a good one every year or two, I would say. I agree. Have you, have you watched Santa Jaws? <laughs> I, have, I have not watched that one. <laughs> That's a new one, 2018, a killer shark in a Santa hat. So that's some of the the sampling of that stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, before we dive into uh, the subject at hand, uh, I guess let's talk about the one huge piece of news, I guess, that dropped uh, earlier today uh, that kind of might be the, the nail in the coffin for the movie theater as we know it. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, announced that uh, they are – sending all of their films uh, to HBO Max on the day of release, which uh, just comes off the heels of, you know, two weeks ago announcing that, uh, you know, Wonder Woman 84 uh, was the first movie that, you know, was told that this was going to happen to. Now their entire 2021 catalog is going to be released simultaneously on HBO Max as well uh, as in the theater. And, uh, God, my mind is blown uh, from that. I think uh, I think this might be the the final nail in the coffin for our dear old theaters. Let's say, y'all. Yeah, 
I don't know. It's going to maybe become more like video stores if things like this keep up, depending on, you know, there's the diehard people who are like, I need to see this in a theater for everything. And then there's people like, I know you, Tyler, where it's like, I'm not going to see Matrix 4 or Dune or Godzilla vs. Kong uh, in theaters, but I might see, you know, some of the other films stay at home, but not go to the theaters. So it's going to be crazy. I can't think of a better studio with a release here. I mean, they have Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam. Um, they got Mortal Kombat, New Conjuring film, and then like like eight, eight other movies that are going to be, you know, th- decent releases. It's just crazy to think 17 films. I mean, I can mark my calendar down for, you know, every other week pretty much during after the slow season to be able to, you know, pop it on at home if I'm not interested in going to the theater or if the, the pandemic's still still kicking. It's crazy to think about. I don't, I can't imagine it's going to be the death of theaters, but you know, I don't know. I mean, with the pandemic as well, I guess that one, two punch could take it out, but I I don't see the theatrical experience going away generally just because I I don't know. I feel, I feel like we've had a couple of really strong years recently. I don't, I don't see, I think, you know, 2020 has been an oddity, but I just don't see it going away. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there'll always be like, you know, a market for the theater. I'm, I'm just talking about basically just like, you know, right now in every major city, there's a theater on on every corner type thing. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think the Cinemarks and AMCs might weather the storm, but you know, your little guys, you know, like your Alamo draft houses and stuff like that might, uh, end up getting hurt by this quite a bit. So, um, I guess time will tell, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely a thinning of the herd. We live in uh, in North Dallas, and I think within 20 miles, there's yeah. six theaters, and maybe even seven in that range. It's like, you know, do you want to eat dinner at the theater with like a, like that? Do you want to go to a brewery that's a movie theater? Do you want to go to a traditional one? Do you want to go to one that has vibrating seats? So I can definitely see it. You know, let's let's have two theaters and major hubs and then kind of, you know, get rid of the rest. People who are really into movies will go drive 20, 30 minutes to get to it as opposed to, you know, having a choice of six different ones you could go to in that range. So maybe something like that, but definitely hope that uh, vaccine kicks in. We can kick this and, and start getting back to that theatrical experience because I know that we kind of, our generation missed the, uh, the video stores going away and definitely don't want the same thing to happen to, uh, to theaters. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I miss I miss my Friday nights at Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, well, we're not going to waste any time uh, this week. We're going to jump right into it uh, and get right into uh, the subject at hand. Um, we're going to dive into a couple of our favorite uh, holiday uh, horror films. Uh, kind of talk about them a little bit, and then maybe mention uh, a few at the end uh, that we also uh, you know want to get a little into as well. But uh, yeah, we each picked one uh, that we're kind of going to dive into a little bit and then, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, so my film uh, that I picked uh, is, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's loved uh, by a lot of people. I, I've always kind of had a soft spot for it, but uh, you know, I, I might be in the minority a little bit, but um so I picked 2006's uh, very loose remake of Black Christmas uh, or or Black <laughs> Xmas, if you uh, if you rather. But um, so, so yeah, 2006's uh, Black Christmas Xmas, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, is a very loose remake of uh, 1974's Black Christmas uh, from Bob Clark. And uh, <laughs> it's it's a remake and in name only, really. Uh, it doesn't have a ton to do uh, with the original in tone, uh, in story. I've seen looser remakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of Black Christmas. That, that is true. <laughs> it, it's it's not a shot-for-shot shot remake. There's definitely some liberties, and it's in the, the torture porn time that we run across Ooh. where, you know, more, more gore is uh, – is better there, but yeah, they definitely don't. Uh, they, they don't use the tension like they had in Black Christmas. They get straight to it and, and kill people off. I think within the first minute or two of this one. Yeah, yeah, they don't waste any time, and they uh, <laughs> they really capitalize on that uh, on that bag death uh, from the original one. You see that a ton. Yeah. Uh, in the film, I feel like every other kill uh, is is a plastic bag over the head. But uh, but yeah, basically. Uh, you know, very, very short synopsis. You have a house of sorority girls uh, staying behind for Christmas. Uh, you know, they live in the house of a former uh, killer, uh, Billy Lenz, uh, who has been committed to an insane asylum uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, he breaks out on Christmas Eve. And uh, as we all know, hilarity ensues. Um, and, uh, I don't know. This movie, uh, you know, when it was released, it didn't really have a lot of fanfare, really didn't get a lot of uh, attention uh, when it was released in 2006. At least I don't remember uh, it getting much attention. But, uh, yeah, it, um, is, uh, it is directed by Glenn Wong, uh, and he actually hasn't done much. Uh, he directed uh, this film as well as... Uh, the remake of Willard uh, back in 2003, which is I, I think is a great remake. Um, but he hasn't done much outside of that. Did some X Files episodes on the on the new uh, you know resurrected series. But uh, yeah, this film, I mean, it, it it looks really good. Like I I think it's shot uh, pretty well uh, for being you know a pretty low budget uh, you know remake in the in the mid 2000s. But uh, did you guys see this like when it first came out or did you wait a few years to catch it? Like what's your history on it? I didn't see it until many years later. I, I was shocked and dismayed when I saw it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? This is insane. I like it. I like that they tried to expand the original film and there are a few references to the original film, but uh, it's it is crazy. It's a it's a balls to the wall movie for sure. Um, I saw it on DVD later. I remember I got the uncut DVD. I think I hadn't seen it in theaters. Um, but yeah, I was looking and I was talking about how the movie's kind of not all over the place, but it is intense and of course it's a. Uh, co-distributed by um dimension and apparently there was obviously reshoots and rewrites with old good old uh, bob and harvey weinstein there which they have been yeah. known to do and uh obviously looking back on on them is it's never very good but uh yeah i saw it on dvd after i didn't see it in theaters did you get to catch it in theaters no because um I don't know if it had a very limited release because, uh, you know, where I went to college, you know, we only had two theaters, um, you know, and they didn't carry a ton of just like non like wide release, like non blockbuster films. So this actually didn't come, uh, 
to the theater uh, where I went to school. So I had to wait for it until it came out on DVD. But uh, man, <laughs> I watched it and and I I was kind of halfway expecting it to you know be kind of in the vein of the original and. Boy, was I wrong! <laughs> it uh, it takes uh, some some liberties. Uh, I I say liberties very loosely uh, with the backstory uh, of you know the killer and uh, his motives and uh, <laughs> pretty much everything else in the entire film. Um, if you've seen the original Black Christmas, uh, you know from uh, nineteen seventy four, it's. It's, it's pretty much one of the first true slasher films, uh, you know, of its time, uh, you know, and it, and it really kind of is, is subdued and, and, and very scary, like very, very suspenseful. It doesn't really give you anything uh, about the killer, uh, never really shows you much about the killer, and it leaves it very open, uh, you know, at the end. And this film just <laughs> throws it all out in front of you uh very very graphic very gory and the backstory uh of billy lens um and his sister are uh <laughs> are very uh interesting to say the least um a lot of incest a lot of uh you know uh family abuse um so yeah it's uh it's it's, it's definitely a lot more of a trip uh than the original uh, and, and how it plays for sure. I, I can see some people walking out in the theater in this one back in, back in 2006, because before they pick up with, you know, sorority house guy in the attic kind of deal, like you said, it shows the backstory where this kid that has severe jaundice, it looks like glowing on the movie, um, which is completely like a random <laughs> like thing to add to the story. <laughs> I you know. know? It, it, it is. And I mean, they kind of utilize it later as well, but she pretty much, he pretty much gets abused, watches his mom kill his dad. And for that, she imprisons him in the attic. Um, and then I think, I don't know if it's later on, I guess, you know, seven or eight years later, she decides to, uh, impregnate herself with him and, uh, have a baby because her boyfriend can't, can't get it up to have a kid. So like, I can't even imagine not knowing what you're walking into and seeing this movie. So we get a incest baby and then, uh, Billy finally snaps in the attic and, you know, tries to kill his sister, um, try to kill his mom and, and her lover. And then the, uh, whipped cream or, or cherry on the top here is by making flesh cookies of her mom's back and burning them and eating them when the police come. So just, just all over the place, very extreme, very graphic, very, you know, over the top gore here. So you got to know what you're getting into. <laughs> Those cookies, man. <laughs> At the beginning where uh, where the guard <laughs> says it's chicken and it's the closest they could get to what mom made. Uh, that just uh, makes me makes me laugh every time I hear it. Um, but uh, yeah, this film actually has uh, a lot of great kills. Um, you know, f uh, the original movie kind of, I guess, is most famous uh, for and its most famous image. Uh, is one of the girls, I guess, getting a plastic bag uh, draped over her head, um, you know, and then stabbed uh, through the plastic bag. Um, that was used once back in the original, and uh, they use it uh, to extremes uh, in this film. It's almost kind of like Billy and his sister Agnes's kind of calling card uh, of just uh, 
<laughs> putting a plastic bag basically over everybody and then just stabbing the shit <laughs> out of people. So, uh, but yeah, some other great kills. Uh, someone gets a, a, a skate, uh, an, an ice skate to the back of the head. Someone uh, gets their head cut off. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good imagery, a lot of good blood, got a good gore, um, which is much better than what I can say from the uh, most recent uh, remake of Black Christmas, which is neutered uh, to hell, in my opinion. Yeah, that is uh, that is true. I think the obsession that I noticed was the obsession with eyeballs that they have in this. There's like at least four or five people that get their eyeballs taken out. There's eyeballs on a Christmas tree, and I think two times eyeballs are eaten, which has to be more than any movie uh, ever. So it, it definitely is is gory and does have some good kills. But um, as far as the story, it's kind of you know what you're getting into um, when when you know what you're looking at. It's like it's sorority girls. You know, there's like a th- backstory of a, a guy making a sex tape with someone else and he's there and it's pretty much what all the women and then uh, one guy and kind of just slowly getting picked off in the house as we learn more uh, about the characters. They try to remake some of the calls uh, from the original and they do such a bad job of it. They make him like have like recorded conversations and talking normally when the original has the creepiest phone calls that are just like you can't even hear what's going on you can just hear like a word every other time and they're actually pretty scary but uh yeah i mean lots of good kills that's for sure yeah uh i'm 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 definitely with you on the on the call angle uh you know in the original he was making all these really like weird noises and really kind of just uh kind of fucked up calls uh you know to the girls in in the film and this one is kind of very kind of by the numbers he's you know he keeps repeating over and over like like they're my family now which you know after a while it 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 gets a little old uh and it's not quite as scary and uh, effective as as the original at all nope nope that's uh yeah i think that's a good way to kind of kind of sum it up there um yeah um, yeah, I think, you know, the original is a classic. I didn't hate the recent remake as bad as everyone else did, but uh, this 2006 one is just a cinematic oddity, in my opinion. It's brutal, and uh, I think what it adds to the franchise, I guess, that none of the other films do is, is a true, like, slasher brutality where it's just, you know, it's really, there's some interesting kills, there's some... There's an icicle kill, which I think is really yeah. fantastic in the film. Um, so there's that element. But the, yeah, the backstory is just especially grating and disturbing in kind of a... I remember when we talked about this before, it almost feels like Sam Raimi and Tim Burton came up with the most like messed up thing they could think of and said, let's go with that. Like That's <laughs> that kind of insanity on screen. And... Uh, well, it's fun. I mean, I, I understand why people like it, but this is certainly like in the history of horror, not the strongest era for slashers. And I think this movie is like a good example maybe of why, but I don't know. I think it does some interesting things with the mythology of the first film, just little bits and pieces that um, are kind of just throwaway lines. I feel like they dug in deep to try to pull anything they could and, and, expanded probably needlessly in a lot of ways but expanded on that world no you're 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 100 percent because you know with the original you know it was it was all very subtle all very kind of subdued and it was much more scary uh you know i i i still think the 74 version 
uh, is out of all three versions uh, so far, uh, definitely the most, you know, freaky, you know, the most tense, uh, you know, and the one that's still yeah. kind of just, you know, remains, you know, at the top. And yeah, and you've got this one, which, you know, is neither like the original or the 2019 version. Uh, you know, it's it's very much a, a class of its own. Uh, you know, in the in the early to mid 2000s, we had all these kind of very loose remakes, uh, you know, of 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 horror right. films, your, you know, Platinum Dunes remakes and all that good stuff. Uh, and this one is, yeah, straight, straight slasher, uh, you know, being very, uh, <laughs> you know, um, being very fucked up just for the sake of, you know, a crazy ass backstory. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, although, you know, it's, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. Like I, I, I kind of dig the fucked up backstory just a little bit. I, I, I think it kind of is, is a little fun, uh, you know, adding, the uh, you know mythology of the of the killers and you know it, and just how it progresses over the film, but uh, yeah, I mean you can definitely do better uh, for a Christmas movie, but I think uh, you know as a as a repeat viewing every few years, it's it's fun on Christmas for sure. Yeah, and I like our yeah. picks because it's easy to just do you know the 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 big ones, the the ones that everyone does. Uh, you know when you think about horror Christmas movies, you kind of just think about the original Black Christmas. You think about Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, and you know Gremlins. We can kind of get into those a little bit more, but it's kind of cool to get you know in more in depth reviews on perhaps Christmas movies that people haven't got around to or outside of those top five. So, uh, Josh, if you want to you know jump in here with uh, with the movie you picked. Yeah, um, I, film I wanted to talk about was one that is a big deal in our community. Um, we're friends with the filmmaker. He was actually a listener of our show before he made the film, so it was an exciting thing for our community to be like, oh, cool, like a, a longtime listener is now a filmmaker, and he's made this awesome movie. So that was like a very exciting uh, element of this movie when it came out. And But it's also one of those things where you hope it's good, and <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was going to be. And we thought for the first time with him in the room. So it was, it was like one of those situations where you're like, Oh, ooh, like I hope we don't hate this. And I ended up loving it. And so I was very relieved and excited at the same time, just to have a new horror Christmas release because it is my favorite, one of my favorite subgenres. I think the thing about those films you mentioned is that they're films I can return to every year. Like I'm going to watch gremlins and black Christmas every year. And you want more of that. Right. And as interesting as black Christmas, uh, was it 2006 that you just released as interesting as it is. And as much as I like watching that, if I'm going to, if I am going to watch the whole series, I guess of films just for comparison's sake, better watch out to me felt like a film where I could really get excited about watching, um, the whole thing, or sorry about watching it every year, like seeing a new film that thought, okay, this could be a new Christmas tradition. And the performances are fantastic. The director I mentioned is Chris Peckover. Um, he is, I think a really interesting filmmaker. He is on, he is slated to do like a big uh, studio film for his next film, which is interesting. And his first film undocumented was a pretty interesting found footage film. And so um, he's done very different things each time out, which excites me as a filmmaker. But the cast here, I think, is especially excellent. Olivia de Young is Ashley, the main character, uh, with Levi Miller 
who um, is, is the co-lead, Luke, and then Ed Oxenbold uh, as Garrett. And you'd, re- you'd recognize Olivia and Ed were together in M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit as brother and sister. And here they're together again, which is cool. You also have Dacry Montgomery in this from Stranger Things. Uh, people recognize him as the, the mullet uh, lifeguard guy <laughs> from Stranger Things. So it's fun to see him here. Um, he did this before Stranger Things hit. So, um, And then you've got Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen in this as well. They don't really play much into the, the drama of the film, and they're not particularly good in it either, I would say. like Their scenes aren't the best, but, man, it's the young cast. I think especially Levi Miller kind of left me slack-jawed a little bit. I was like, wow, this is like a really good performance I wasn't expecting, and I really enjoy Olivia Young. I, I just think it's a it's a fun idea. So the basic premise is this. Um, and this is just from IMDb. It says, on a quiet suburban street, a babysitter must defend a 12-year-old boy from intruders only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion. And that's the thing. It feels like it's going to be uh, The Strangers Meets Home Alone, and that's how I heard this film described uh, when I first heard about it playing at Fantastic Fest, it's this is Strangers Meets Home Alone. I was like, awesome, I'm in. And for the first 15 minutes, that's what it feels like it's going to be. Um, and then, you know, things change. And I, I don't know how much we want to get into that, but there's a big shift in the movie and it really switches gears. And I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest, because I was enjoying the movie I thought I had signed up for. But then as that played out, I was just continually surprised by the quality of it and. Yeah, I love this movie. It's one I'm going to probably watch every year. I've definitely watched it every year since it came out on DVD, so or Blu-ray. Yeah, that's right. awesome. And you're definitely right. Definitely awkward situation where it could be right. You have, you know, a friend who's making a, you know, horror movie. Obviously, it's it's lower budget. This one doesn't look like the budget was was too small. Obviously, got you know some some recognizable um, characters and actors. But for how many? bad and horrible indie horror movies that I can I can imagine if you just threw something on and you're like wow this is horrible but you have to be like just pick yeah. out the bright spots for it to kind of you know try to pick <laughs> right. it up especially when you're watching it with him but um yeah. I think I heard about this movie um from your guys's podcast and I watched it that year it came out um I think this one is one of the you know maybe lesser seen ones that's that's actually good um so I'd probably you know normally I would go into spoilers on it but I think leaving out the Twitter is is worthwhile um but it is cool right you kind of have the the babysitter um young boy with the boy trying to get with the babysitter which we've seen in a lot of more recent horror movies too um and then you know things kind of start to go bad Uh, a way i've heard it described that i kind of like is like a home alone horror movie almost like you have all of the gags and stuff but they, they they take it up another notch and i think i agree with you also though the twist, I kind of would have liked it more if it stayed on track with it and didn't have a big twist, but um, it just does Christmas really well. Those lights, is snow, even though it's filmed in Australia. I'm not sure if you have, you know, how they do that or if they actually have snow in Australia. I don't know. Um, they do, I guess, at some point, but this one they filmed um, all completely on a set. So they filmed, I think the exteriors were in the United States, and uh, for the, like the street and opening scenes that they show at the beginning of the movie. And then I think the rest of it was on a soundstage. So nice. I understand. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> so the first kind of uh, deal that I had with this film is I watched the uh, trailer for it and the trailer is nothing like the actual movie, you know, like a lot of, you know, horror trailers are, but uh, yeah, I first, yeah. I, I first heard this as uh, Kevin McAllister meets Jigsaw 
which, uh, you know, I guess that's a good way of, 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 of putting it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I could see that, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun little film. Uh, it, uh, you know, it never takes itself too seriously. And, uh, you know, the, uh, filmmaker, uh, you know, definitely kind of knows his stuff and, you know, definitely knows what he's doing, uh, which is crazy cause he hasn't really done much. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he kind of acts like a true veteran, uh, you know, directing, you know, these great child actors and, you know, really gets uh, the most uh, from their performance. But uh, yeah, it has a really interesting twist, a really good story, really good performances. And, uh, and yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, you know, brother and sister who uh, are, you know, originally, I guess, in the, in the visit, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I actually didn't realize that it was them uh, until I, I, I looked it up later. I, I thought they looked familiar, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a it's a good little twist and 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 something you don't see a lot of uh you know as as far as like you know christmas movies are concerned so um you know definitely different uh and you know definitely not your 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 average you know slasher definitely not your you know average you know christmas film that uh you know you're used to with your black christmases and your you know silent night deadly night it's it's something all on its own really yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exciting. You know, I think it's cool to get something different. And I think like, as we were talking about, I think we're getting a lot more of those now, you know, we're getting a lot of these different and we're getting a lot of really bad Christmas movies, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think the bright spots are these pretty unique films. And um, yeah, I think this is definitely, you know, I, this is not like anything I could ever really seen before, you know? And so that's, that's cool. I think. Definitely well received too. I think I was looking on Rotten Tomatoes um, for rankings of best Christmas movies, and it's number two on there with eighty nine percent. So that oh, was wow. kind of cool. It's Rare Exports was number one at ninety percent, and then this was eighty nine, and then Gremlins was three at eighty five. So wow, yeah, kind of a cool spot. I mean, obviously, probably maybe less reviews. I think it was in the sixties or seventies, but still really cool. So I hope it gets you know more exposure, and maybe this episode will get some people onto it that have never seen it before. So I think that's a great it's choice. It's really easy to see too. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Shutter, and so you can see it pretty easily. I, it's also the Blu Ray is good you know i own it and there are good extras a little behind the scenes making documentary and stuff so you know if you're interested it's worth checking out i think and i i think it's rare also to get young performances that are this strong and um, i think that is definitely one of the cool things about it is it, it relies so much on youth performances and they're all really good youth performances yeah and it's really uncomfortable like it really is is the much as uh, you know, Black Christmas 2006 really pushes the line. Um, this this doesn't go nearly that far, but it does push kind of social boundaries in interesting ways that um, you know isn't often done. So uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting film, and I, I I love it because it does what I think the best Christmas horror movies do, which is it captures the feeling of a Christmas movie and the feeling of a horror movie, and I think it's hard to do both at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool to have a, a listener to create a, a movie in, in one of your favorite subgenres. So that's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, my movie, I was back on fourth on it a lot. I think we talked about, you know, some of the bigger ones, uh, our co-host who's out, uh, for this episode traveling, he was going to do silent night, deadly night to kind of round it out. Um, and so maybe we can talk about that one a little bit later, but I decided to choose, uh, Krampus from 2015. Um, it's, it's come kind of titled as a Christmas horror comedy film but the comedy is really just in kind of the situations going over the top the the best way i could explain this one would be i think it's like a national lampoon's christmas vacation um you know meeting with kind of a i don't know what you want to call like a it's not people coming into their house or, or anything that way but um it's definitely a blend of that with the horror film because you have a family coming into a home for christmas and the uncle is pretty much uncle eddie um, to a T, they make it, you <laughs> right. know, him being awkward as possible, rude. He just comes in and like throws the presents down and starts kind of staking his claim there. So, um, that's kind of a funny setup that they use, but the actual story itself, I haven't seen this since 2015 and I watched it last week and it actually kind of surprised me. It's like, it, it, it's Sheen. It's, you know, you can tell it's a studio, um, Christmas horror movie budget of 15 million. Um, and not a lot of budget or not a lot of, uh, you know, studio Christmas horror movies out there anymore. It's usually more lower budget or indie films, but, mm. um, Looking back on the cast now is insane because it has Adam Scott, um, who's obviously been in a ton of uh, comedy movies, and Tony Collette, who has put in one of the best horror performances of all time. Obviously, her role in this one is um, much more, uh, I don't know if you want to call mailing it in or, or what you want to do, but still, she definitely... <laughs> I, I, I think she's still great. In the in the film, I mean, just acting like her typical Martha Stewart, uh, just <laughs> sick of this shit, uh, you know, housewife. But uh, but yeah, she's great in in everything she's in, and and that, that's and, true. And this is no that, exception. That's true. Just that's hard, what the hard film called for. Her her hereditary performance would have been really out of sync with the rest of the movie. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh! And then it also has a uh, uh, David Michael um, Keshner or Koshner in it. He's in. He's Champ in Anchorman. Yep. Um, that's the uncle. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, has an interesting performance. But the thing I like about this movie is the backstory. So it opens up with, uh, I believe it's Black Friday, just kind of Christmas shopping in general, and we get this montage for like ten minutes of people fighting for gifts, people you know buying things, screaming at each other. Uh, pretty much how Christmas has kind of turned into, um, you know, a corporate holiday where it's more about, you know, maybe the image that you have and buying gifts and trying to make it perfect when it never really has a chance to be perfect. Um, and then when the family comes and visits, it really adds that element into it. It's like family should be coming together because you want to see each other and spend time and have Christmas. But this is more of like, it's Christmas. Our family needs to come over. We all hate them and everyone, you know, it sucks, but we're going to get through this. So, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like this is one of the most realistic like portrayals of Christmas because like, it's not, it's not all sugar plum fairies and hot chocolate, man. Like it's, you know, you meeting with people that you don't really want to see, like you're kind of forced together with family that, you know, you know, it, it, there's a good reason why you only see them once a year. And, you know, it really has turned into like just a corporate cash grab. Uh, and that opening sequence does a great job of just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, spelling out that, uh, you know, this movie is not uh, your, 
you know, crystal clear version of, uh, of the holiday. It's, it's something a lot more dark and a lot more, uh, you know, depressing really. <laughs> That's really true. Yeah. And especially like you mentioned with Tony Collette's performance. So she's spent, you know, weeks getting the house ready for Christmas and creating recipes and, um, you know, planning what their dinners are going to be and making sure everything's perfect. And when their family comes in, it's uh, Aunt Linda and Uncle Howard and three of their kids uh, who are all kind of, you know, over the top and rambunctious and rude. And then they also bring uh, great aunt Dorothy who like, you know, no one wants there. And she kind of just had tagged along when she said she wanted to grab a Christmas present for them before they left. And they come in and they're like, you know, this is shit. What's this? Why is this here? Why are you doing this? Pretty much putting everything down that she's worked so hard on. And she pretty much just loses <laughs> it at one point. I think the, the meal that they have when they're all there for Christmas is one of the funniest things because she's making like, you know, souffle and she has all of this stuff and they're like, you know, what's this crap you're doing? And why, why are you doing this? Why didn't you just service regular stuff? And she just loses it. And you're definitely right about it being more realistic. I've had much more moments like this than ones like, you know, maybe a Christmas Carol dinner where they all sit down and and have a great time yeah you we've talked about i guess with the last movie everyone mentioned you know home alone meets horror and i think this one you were definitely right on with christmas vacation meets meets a horror movie um i think the one that also comes to mind as you guys start discussing this is the ref i don't know if you guys ever saw that yeah, christmas movie it's Bennett Leary and Kevin Spacey, but there's an element of the Judy Davis character in that movie where it's the same thing. Like she's has really extravagant Christmas planned and her family comes in and just completely um, dresses her down about her, like her, uh, her things that she's trying to accomplish. And it's just, again, it's about just hating the people you're with on Christmas. So I think that's kind of a funny concept. (laughs) There's also an interesting element to this where it's based around the belief in Santa Claus. It's kind of like a, a strong element in this which is kind of surprising for a a movie like this yeah they go into like you know we've always heard about every holiday kind of has like um um, ulterior motives you know halloween is not uh you know what it seems christmas isn't what it seems but they they really dive into the legend of you know krampus which i had always heard of like you know growing up and you know it was kind of like a european thing and i had always actually really been interested in them like bringing like that you know mythology to the screen and when they announced that they were doing like a a film entirely of that legend of Krampus like I was I was pumped like I was just like you know it's a it's a it's a great you know subject matter for a a horror film and uh um, especially when you have uh someone like Michael Doherty who you know is already familiar uh, you know, with a, you know, kind of holiday ish, uh, you know, horror film, you know, th- that he already had with trick or treat. But, uh, you know, when they announced that he was doing it, uh, I was, I was really pumped. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but, uh, it, it, it definitely was a, a, a better second viewing for me, uh, you know, this past week when I, uh, actually watched it again, but, uh, yeah, great, great mythology, great backstory, you know, with the grandmother and, you know, with the kid and, um, you know, really brings something to the table that hasn't been done before. 
Yeah, the kind of back backdrop for it, like we mentioned, obviously the, the family comes in. Um, the youngest son of the main family, Max, is like really into Christmas and doing everything, and you know he even writes his letter to Santa Claus. The uh, his cousins, you know, break it out, mock him, make fun of him, pretty much just suck all of his Christmas spirit out. So he just tears up his letter and throws it up in the air, and that causes like this, or I guess part of that causes this severe blizzard to. Uh, you know, engulf the entire town and um, people just kind of start to get picked off. They go out in, uh, in the uncle's Hummer um, to try to see what's going on. And he has like a shotgun and guns and, you know, they're, they're pretty well equipped. Um, an interesting thing about this is it's a scary, you know, it's a scary horror movie. There's scary elements, but I don't think anyone officially dies. It, it's almost captured. So what happens is Krampus and his uh, crew of evil um, you know, Christmas cronies. It's pretty much like he can turn anything Christmas into something evil, it's, right? It's it's pretty much every Christmas thing ever t- like turns into like, you know, a killer whatever. Like you have killer gingerbread men, you have a killer doll, you have a killer jack in the box. You, like every like, you know, Christmas cliche uh, is out to kill you uh, in this film, which is fun. Really yeah, is. and and, t- and ton of elf elf moments. So um, I like the Jack in the Box the best, but the, so they get captured, and what they're what's happening is you know Krampus is taking them. You know, it looks like to hell, but uh, I guess it's just you know kind of starting his collection of people who either I, I don't know what the backstory is are ungrateful for Christmas or if he just you know comes when Christmas spirits low and kind of takes everyone no matter what. But um, that Jack in the Box they have that opens its mouth that was my background for. A little bit before I changed it here. Uh, it, it is really scary, and those little gingerbread men get a nail gun at one point. So there's some creepy moments, even if there's no you know technical deaths in the film. But um, I do like the blizzard element where you do no cell phone service, can't reach anyone. All the neighbors they're joking about are like, "Oh, they're in Hawaii, or they left, or they're in Colorado," and so they're really this only one in this kind of upscale neighborhood um, that's left. So kind of fighting them off, and as everyone gets taken, it kind of takes it pretty far you know, further than you think, like, you know, everyone actually getting taken, including the baby. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think this is great. And I, I'm with Tyler. Like when I first saw this, it didn't necessarily blow me away. I think I was pretty low on it. You know, you come, you see a new movie and you're wanting it to be good. And so you're looking at all of its shortcomings. If you're slightly disappointed, exactly. but as we mentioned with these Christmas movies, like this is one I'm going to watch every year now because it actually, it's one of the few really good ones. And as you watch it over and over again, you start forgiving some of its shortcomings and just appreciating it for what it is and what it is is just a wacky. I mean, it's very heightened, (laughs) but it's, it's also like, like Max mentioned, it's kind of scary and it's, it's fun and, yeah, it's it's a good Christmas horror movie entry, in my opinion. Uh, I love the ending. There's one point where Max kind of comes up and he goes, "Like you think you think the movie's gonna go one way," and he goes, "Like hey." quit doing that, put everyone back. And you're like, Oh man, he's going to like listen and him yelling at him is going to turn it. And then it doesn't. And it's just, just a great moment of like, you know, you're expecting one thing and they're like, Nope, this is a dark movie. And the whole entire thing is going to be dark. It's really bleak actually at the end. Like the final (laughs) images are pretty bleak. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, Michael Doherty, you know, when he did trick or treat, you know, kind of 
uh, I guess put his name on the map as far as like, you know, holiday horror and, you know, and, and, and like you said, Josh, like I was expecting kind of something in the vein of trick or treat and I didn't quite get that, you know, when I first watched it, but you know, yeah. with the second viewing, uh, you know, I hadn't seen it since it first came out in 2015. So I was actually, uh, you know, kind of excited to, you know, check it out again. And, and I actually enjoyed it a lot more, uh, you know, this past time, you know, didn't have any expectations going into it like I did the first time. And, you know, just kind of was able to sit back and just really uh, enjoy it, you know, for what it was. And, you know, it, it, it plays really well. Uh, it has just an A plus cast, um, you know, a lot of great humor, uh, you know, and it, it, it really is one of the, you know, best true, uh, you know, horror, you know, Christmas films that have, you know, been released in the last decade. Uh, and, and, and something that I, I think I'll now, uh, you know, flip on every, uh, every other Christmas or so. Um, for the, for the next movies you talk about, um, obviously there's, there's only a handful of good ones and there's a, some to mention, but maybe if you guys want to talk about what's in your rotation, you know, this December, what do you have on your list to see maybe that you haven't seen that you want to highlight or, or things that you always have to watch no matter what that are in this horror vein outside of the, uh, you know, the three movies that we've highlighted so far, if that works. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I guess I'll throw uh, a couple out there. Um, I guess Cole was going to do uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is, uh, <laughs> it's a great little horror film. Uh, it is, I I might argue to say that it's the darkest uh, Christmas film uh, out there. It, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, no wonder it had so much controversy when it was first released. Like, you know, you had like parents picketing, movie theaters like you know telling people that whoever is seeing this movie is going to go to hell uh and apparently like you know caused a really big stink uh when it was uh you know um originally released back in the 80s but uh yeah it's a it's a nice little killer santa film uh you know and if you haven't seen the sequels the sequels go to some batshit crazy places like most of the sequels don't have anything to do uh, with the original, but, uh, you know, everything from like, you know, controlling people's minds to uh, this killer cult to killer toys, uh, you have it all in the uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night series and kind of something for everybody and definitely varying degrees of quality, obviously, uh, in the series. But uh, yeah, if, you, um, if you're looking for something out there, uh, definitely check out you know, the series as a whole and just don't expect, you know, anything, you know, mind blowing or, you know, something that'll change your world. But, uh, you know, what else do you expect from a killer Santa Claus? You know, I think you have the right idea with the, the darkest. I mean, obviously black Christmas is up there, but this one, the movie starts out with a family going to visit a nursing home and on their way home, uh, a Santa Claus has his car broken down and they stop to help and he you know kills the dad and literally gets the mom naked and tries to rape her and kills her and then you know he leaves his baby brother in the car and he runs off and and that's kind of where it where it opens up and then he has a huge fear of santa and christmas and they're in a i think it's a catholic orphanage right Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just kind of goes on from there. Pretty much anything Christmas triggers this guy, and you know he just 
gets on a Christmas, you know, Santa outfit due to work and just snaps and starts going to town. And I think like you said about the, the franchise, I think the second one gets, um, it's well, most well known for two things. One that I think they use like what, 20 or 30 minutes of the first movie in it. And then the other one is the, uh, I think it's the, tra- the trash scene. <laughs> I think it's even more than that. I think half the movie is flashbacks, uh, from the first film, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about this one, Josh? Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's. I think the second one is hilarious, and yeah. <laughs> it's 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 not good. No. <laughs> None of them are no. good, but I think they're fun to watch. If you're if you're the type of person who can sit and laugh at, at like an eighty slasher, that's you know not they've got some strong moments, and there's a lot of stuff to laugh at, and so you'll have a good time watching it. Um, let's see here. Another one I can bring up, um, that I kind of discovered, I guess the last couple years that I haven't watched it every Christmas, but it's one of those ones that I think deserves it. And that's a Christmas horror story. Have you guys seen this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, we get, it. okay. It's a cool one. It's in 2015. Um, we get, uh, William Shatner is a radio DJ and he is kind of there during the the Christmas season. And I mean, I, I haven't seen it in a little while, but I just recall, you know, how it's set up with, I think it's Santa fighting Krampus, right? It, is the main. That's one of the segments. Yeah, it's a, that's part of the wraparound. It's, it's an anthology film. So there are three or four different little segments, but Santa versus Krampus is one of the. Yeah, that was the big one I remembered. So we kind of the yeah. we have uh, William Shatner as the the piece of the wraparound, and then we just get a number of, of cool Christmas yeah. stories, and and that's a good way to do it. You don't have to, you know, take a little segment of a Christmas thing and try to draw it out. Some of them don't have you know ninety minutes to give you, so I think it's a good way of doing that, and uh, and one that people should check out. I agree. And if we're talking about Krampus, it's not exactly Krampus, but it's related. Um, Rare Exports that you mentioned as the number one film on Rotten Tomatoes, I think you said. Yeah. Uh, It's a must-see, I think, if people uh, haven't seen it. My favorite, as we've mentioned, um, are the films that can pull off both really feeling like a Christmas movie while still being a horror movie legitimately. And there aren't a ton of those. And so there are a couple that I still enjoy watching because I like to fill up my December with Christmas horror movies as much as I can. And there are several films that don't really deal with the Christmas that well, but are still kind of fun to watch around this time of year for me. And they have kind of that vibe and sheen of an early 2000s horror movie. So not my favorite, but of all of these (laughs) reasons not to watch it, here are a couple that I think are fun. Uh, P2 from 2007 is about a young woman stuck in a parking garage uh, on Christmas Eve as everyone else is left for the holiday. I've and seen she that has one. To, Same. She has to deal with the parking attendant. I like that movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, in that vein, ATM is another one that is kind of like this where some people after leaving a Christmas party are stuck inside an ATM while there's a killer out outside the ATM. I think those are two fun movies that are not great movies, but are just uh, disposable horror flicks that are fun to watch around this time. Of year. It seems like they do it right too, because they don't try to make everything Christmas related. It's just, there's a Christmas you know element to it and it is December. And then the horror kind of takes off from there. Um, yeah. Two ones that I, I figure I should ask you cause I haven't seen, but are on this list is uh saint or Sint and red Christmas. Yeah. Have you seen those? What was the second one you said? Uh, Red Christmas. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Sint. So that's based on Sinterklaas, the Dutch legend. So as with Krampus is Austria, uh, Sinterklaas is Dutch, and the basic idea there is he is the Saint Nicholas, and he travels with Slarta Pete and this black uh, sidekick who steal the evil children and take them back to Spain to make them slaves. That's the <laughs> Dutch backstory. Wow. Yeah. Well- and I mean that's basically what Krampus is too. Yeah. He's the yeah. Christmas devil who sends evil kids back to hell. So this is, uh, yeah, and it's not a great movie. It's really bad CGI in it, but it's fun, disposable. You know, I think I give it like a four point five out of ten on our rating scale. So it's <laughs> not like a great movie, but you know, it's worth seeing once. Um, Red Christmas is highly offensive. <laughs> if you like Black Christmas two thousand six, you're probably gonna like Red Christmas <laughs> as well. Super just mean-spirited and gross and offensive, but it's a lot of fun. And the movie I even more highly recommend than Red Christmas is the making of documentary about Red Christmas. Really? It's called Horror Movie, A Low-Budget Nightmare. And it is amazing. I don't know if you guys like behind-the-scenes stuff, but if you've ever seen like the Terry Gilliam documentaries, there's um, lost in La Mancha about his failed attempt to make a Don Quixote movie uh, with Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And there's another one called uh, the hamster factor about the making of 12 monkeys. Uh, those are two of the best ever made in my opinion. Those are both directed by Lou Pepe. Uh, there's another one called overnight about the guys who made boondock saints. This is a similar. Oh, and there's one about, uh, about uh is it richard stanley when he was making the island of dr moreau that that's an interesting one too if you like those kinds of making of documentaries that just show the disaster of what it feels like to try to be making a horror movie when everything is going wrong yeah that's what horror movie a low budget nightmare is and it made me appreciate red christmas so much more the first time i watched red christmas i was like no i hate this movie my quote that i wish they had pulled for the poster or the dvd case was if you're a christian and you see this movie you're going to have to be rebaptized like that's how bad wow. it is but but i lo- but now i love it i love the filmmaker craig anderson so much um he he's like so lovable and so likable in this documentary that it completely changed my view of that film having seen the documentary so that's good would you recommend documentary first and movie second or movie first and documentary second it's hard it's hard for me to say i think (laughs) if you're if you're a sensitive soul like myself then i would say maybe watch the documentary first and the movie second if you if you like really messed up horror and that's and that's your vibe and you know it's it's fun to watch stuff that's just a little transgressive then watch the movie first and appreciate it even more after you watch the documentary but it's not super high quality it's a very low budget it's made in australia um, d wallace is in it which is great they spent um, all the money on her yeah they did i mean i don't even know if they spent any money on her to tell you the truth <laughs> but, but it's it's a lot of fun um and, and it's a double feature for sure not not even close to the best movies we've talked about tonight but maybe the most fun um i might i might uh argue that the last film i think that maybe we should talk about and and the one that pr- might be the most fun and and not a total christmas movie is uh is obviously gremlins uh you know which which there is some debate on whether gremlins is a christmas movie kind of like the whole argument like is die hard a christmas movie which die hard is 100 percent a christmas movie i don't care what anyone says 
Uh, <laughs> I've said on this podcast yeah. numerous times, like if you don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, like like message me on uh, my uh, socials <laughs> and I will argue this uh, all day with you. But uh, catch me outside. No, yeah. no really, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm very passionate about this. If you can't tell, but, uh, but no, Gremlins. Uh, Man, Gremlins is so much fun. Like it, 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 it never gets old. Uh, I, I think I've seen it close to, you know, ten to fifteen times in my life, all the way from you know back when I was a kid to to now, and it's from from the animatronics of the Gremlins to just the, the humor, uh, you know the you know, just everything about it is just like. I don't know. It's it's a lot of fun, uh, and it and it really does hold up uh, all these years later. Um, you know, Joe Dante, you know, really you know knocked it out of the park with this and and two, which I feel like is is underrated as well. But um, but yeah, definitely one of my favorites uh, from when I was a kid. Not as scary uh, as a as a horror movie, you know, and 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 not a true horror movie, I guess you could say. But uh, you know, has has some tension, has some you know. I guess scary moments sprinkled throughout, but uh, still a, a very fun Christmas movie. Um, yeah, I'm a, with you. A more recent, yeah, I would say this Christmas movie because the main stuff happens on Christmas Eve. So, yeah. like, why have that happen if it's not? Uh, well, the visuals are completely immersed in the vibe of because there's snow and lights and trees and like, uh, yeah. To me, I don't even see the argument. Yeah. Uh, another recent one, or I guess a more recent one I've seen um, that I've heard, you know, some people on one side liking it and some of the others not, but it's highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes is Anna and the Apocalypse. It is oh, yeah. a zombie Christmas musical, I guess yeah. is the way you want to call it. Um, so you get, you know, you get your zombies. It's during Christmas time. You have lots of Christmas themed uh, moments and kills, including a, a great song at a, at a Christmas kind of uh, talent show play um, <laughs> that they have, but that, that, that's a fun one. Uh, I'm not a big musical fan, but I think that if you can kind of um, deal with it or go through it, it, it's worthwhile, especially if you're trying to seek out new things um, yeah. for sure. And then I don't it's, know. It's, it's solid. Like it's good quality. I don't, I don't love musicals either, but I think it pulls it off very well. And um, like it, the, the songs are kind of in that glee style Mm -hmm. so if you like glee which i have never really watched but uh, i i don't love musicals and i've never seen glee but i still enjoy this i like zombie comedies you know the zombie land and Shaun of the dead kind of stuff and so this is fun it's not as good as those but i would say it's close like it's maybe a step or two down from those what about for those who like horrible christmas movies i want to bring up ginger ginger dead man with gary Busey, and then also i wanted to uh jack frost Frost. drop that in there yeah (laughs) those are so bad they're good though there are some that are just like truly terrible like mrs claus is just truly terrible elves is just truly terrible those cannot be watched for fun but the ones you're talking about are still fun to watch (laughs) yeah uh the the jack frost movies uh i remember as a kid uh you know going around the video store and seeing that that famous vhs cover uh, that, you know, had one of those kind of, uh, motion change, uh, covers and just being hooked as a kid because I wanted to see it. And even as a kid, uh, you know, I think I was like 12 years old when I saw it or whatever. 
uh, I could definitely tell how goofy it was. So, uh, you know, and uh, another one is uh, Santa's Sleigh from 2005 featuring a uh, killer Santa played by <laughs> the uh, wrestler Bill Goldberg. Um, yeah. So, so that's a fun one too. Um, if you can, if you can find that as well. It's ridiculous. <laughs> one other fun little indie one, as long as we're still, we, like I said, this is our eighth year doing Christmas horror. So we've seen pretty much everything there is. And there's one that I like called stalled. It's a little zombie comedy. Have you guys seen that one? It's kind of fun. It's low budget, like super low budget, but it's, there's a maintenance man who is at his office he goes into the bathroom during the Christmas party. So outside the Christmas party's raging, he goes in to do some work on a toilet and um, some ladies come into the bathroom and turn into zombies. And then he becomes stuck inside the stall <laughs> for the remainder of the movie. So the entire film is him in this bathroom stall as more and more zombies come into the bathroom as the entire Christmas party is zombified. Wow. And I don't know. It's kind of a fun one location uh, yeah, film. super low budget. Yeah, that sounds it interesting. It has, has a good tagline The Evil Dead meets phone booth in a toilet. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, any more before we, uh, you know, wrap things up? I guess if you like Christmas Horror Story, there's another anthology that just came out last year. Maybe it was 2018. All the Creatures Were Stirring um, from Rebecca McKendry, who was the former uh, editor of Fangoria and worked for Blumhouse and did the Shockwaves podcast and all of that stuff. Um, if you're f- familiar with Rebecca, her and her husband directed All the Creatures Were Stirring. Um, it's a decent uh, anthology. Uh, if you like Christmas Horror Story, it's not great, but it's good. Yeah, I've seen that one and used to listen to Shockwaves all the time too. And obviously it's been uh, slowly disbanded, you got to assume, not coming back. But um, they have a, a, a new yeah. good one with two of the co-hosts on there. Um, I think it's called, what's that? What's their new one called? Do you have, you watch, listen to that one, Josh? I don't know. No, I haven't stayed up with it. I, okay. I like them, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like a, I don't follow it religiously. Yeah. Okay. Well, they do have a new podcast together called uh, colors of the dark where it's Elric and, uh, and Rebecca McKendry still, since I think, cool. uh, you know, obviously one of the co-hosts had a, uh, canceling and demise. And then the other one is still doing his thing with, uh, with Blumhouse movies and probably doesn't have enough time to, watch and right. talk about horror movies for, for four hours every week. <laughs> I thought they were doing something with the new iteration of Fangoria, but I could be wrong. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I thought I heard, I thought I heard rumblings of shockwaves coming back to Fangoria. I would like that. That's for sure. I think the, the, the more, the better it's, I mean, I think now I listen to podcasts less when I don't have my commute. Cause I'm still been, you know, working from home since March, but, um, right. <laughs> definitely I'll take all I can get. Uh, yeah. If you have any other ones, you know, things that you've saw the last, uh, eight years um you can mention them otherwise if you want to kind of give a background to to our audience on your your podcast and your show kind of what you guys do over there i'm sure if anyone doesn't already listen to you it'd be good to you know branch out and add any listeners sure um yeah i mean people can check out our christmas episodes we've talked about a lot of the best ones here tonight but you know we do delve deeper into a lot of those good ones um over the last eight years we do more than christmas horror uh, it's not too dissimilar from your show. Um, you know, we've done the franchise reviews like like you have. We covered Halloween and Scream and Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and, and and a lot of the bigger franchises. We still have a lot more to go. 
Um, we do two types of episodes generally. We do themed episodes that are about a topic, like we've done tonight here, where we, you know, we pick. I think our most recent one was uh, Meta Horrors of the Silver Screen. It was all about movies that take place inside a movie theater, and so that was the focus of our most recent episode. We also do Frankensteinian episodes. We call them, which is just like a hodgepodge of whatever we've been listening or watching lately, and we just do random movie reviews and. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. We've been doing it for a long time now, since 2013. It's kind of hard to believe that it's been that long. But um, and we were all podcasting together before under different podcast titles, also. But um, we we do it. Uh, we do like two episodes a month generally, and um, we have a very wide uh, te- big tent horror. So you know, a lot of the discussions here tonight about whether or not Gremlins is horror, for instance, <laughs> would not come up on our show. Probably like we're very inclusive of horror comedies and thrillers and everything. Cause we're just, you know, these are things that horror fans are generally going to like, and that's what we talk about. Yeah. You, you guys are on episode 206 there. And <clears throat> I've yeah. obviously listened to your podcast for a while. I think I've been on since like episode 50, but uh, cool. if you love, you know, podcasts, uh, something that Tyler and I listen to, we listen to the uh, Halloween, podcast where they go so far in depth to the franchise reviews and I think I told Tyler your podcast is kind of similar like on your franchise review ones you may have three episodes that are three hours long kind of diving yeah. into it so if you really want to deep dive on those uh, you know the topics kind of it's cool to be able to you know have enough to listen to like I, I can't hear enough about Halloween or you know some of my yeah. favorite franchises so it's always good to hear other people's thoughts on it or um, different things yeah, like we- that We've gotten that. That is one of the episodes we've gotten the most compliments on is our original Halloween franchise review. Um, people love that and revisit it. But yeah, if you go to horrormoviepodcast.com on the main page, not a great website or anything, but on the right hand side, there are all these thumbnails that have a large number of our themed episodes. And so you can pick a topic that interests you haunted houses or mad scientists or feral vampires or whatever it is, you know? And so that's, that's how I like to listen to stuff. I like to listen just when I'm in the mood. Yeah, for, so. um, that's awesome. That's Do you have any, um, any last minute uh, recommendation since we are in December, I think our next episode or one of the next ones is going to be top five or top 10 of 2020, obviously a weird year with tons and tons of good movies being pushed off. But is there anything out there that you recommend people uh, check out that may have slipped by gone straight on demand, got missed that people need to watch in, in 2020? Because I know I'm trying to get my last minute stuff in here uh, after I stop watching Christmas horror movie to, um, you know, put together this year. It's a very odd year with, with what we had come out and kind of the abrupt stop that we had had in March followed by just kind of lower indie on demand movies. Now finally followed by some, some bigger releases coming out like freaky a couple weeks ago. It's a great question. I don't know if I've seen anything that's completely blown me away this year that I'm just over the moon about. There were a lot of films that came close for me that are kind of like, again, on our, our rating system is out of 10. There are a lot of movies in that 7.5 range for me this year that I'm liked, enjoyed, wished they'd been better. Random acts of violence is one of those. It's directed by Jay Baruchel. Um, there's another one, the rental that's directed by Dave Franco. Those were okay. I, I liked elements about them. I probably would like both of them more on second viewing. Scare me is another interesting one on shutter. It's not going to be for everybody. That's like for the art house crowd. Maybe it's like an anthology film. If they never cut away to the segments, the whole <laughs> thing is the wraparound oh, wow. and the narrators telling the story 
in storytelling form to each other in a house. So it's like these two horror writers are stuck in a cabin together and they're telling each other scary stories. And so the movie has like six or seven different little mini stories, but it's all just these people telling the stories verbally. It's interesting. Like I've never seen anything like it. So that's crazy. That's what gets me excited. Um, Blood Quantum is probably my favorite film that I saw this year. Uh, I'm really into First Nations, Indigenous stuff. My background is is uh, I'm a Pacific Islander, and I'm really into the Indigenous like politics and stuff. So it was one of the few times I've seen. It's like one of the only Native American directed horror movies. First of all, oh, I so need to watch this. A zombie virus decimates all the Earth's population except for yeah. a, a community of Red Crow. That's awesome. Yeah, and so and it's directed by a guy from that area. He's First Nation Canadian, and um, it's yeah zombies in that world. And it's not like groundbreaking in terms of a zombie film. You know, I mean, if you've seen a hundred seasons of The Walking Dead, there's not a whole lot more people can show you. I stopped at season seven. Right, <laughs> but it's still interesting, right? Like it's it's, um, and I think if you like zombie movies anyway, I think it's cool to see one from this perspective that you've never seen it from before. Um, before Fangoria folded, I thought they were putting out some interesting stuff. I think VFW is worth checking out. Um, Gretel and Hansel, Extraordinary. But yeah, no, there's not, there wasn't, hasn't been one film that's really bowled me over this year. Unfortunately, No. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like I think all of the ones that would have didn't get released, right? You got, you know, yeah. uh, Quiet Candyman was the Candy one Man. I was just like, please, like Halloween Kills, Candyman. Candyman, I am so excited for. I've almost said it too many times. But <laughs> no, no, no we were we were really looking forward to just uh, doing a entire episode uh, of of Candyman, and uh, yeah, that and Halloween Kills uh, when it got uh, pushed back, we were uh, we were heartbroken. For sure, because uh, definitely yeah. uh, big fans of the original. Oh man, I, I'm a big documentary fan. That's my background. So anytime there's something documentary related with horror, I get super stoked. And uh, Cursed Films, if people haven't seen it on Shutter, is one of my favorite. I've seen series. that. Yeah, that's really good, especially if you haven't heard about any of them, because most of them, besides the um, uh, the Omen or no, the Exorcist, uh, I hadn't heard of besides uh, those. Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist is the one that I had heard of, but yeah, there's so many that yeah that you have. Yeah, there's been. Oh, you know what? The you know what a great film is is on Netflix. It's called His House. Again, it's like totally unique community that you never see in horror movies. It's about these. Um, I'm blanking where they're from now. Sudanese, I think, refugees in the UK. I could be wrong about Sudanese. I think you're right. That's that's on my list. I, I saw the trailer. It looks good. It's really good. It's unique. It's different. It. It's um, the the horror elements remind me more of like sinister or something that doesn't that I don't find particularly scary, but it's still cool. Like it's a that might be the best horror movie I saw this year in terms of. <laughs> but Invisible Man, The Hunt We Liked, oh, yeah. Host. That was this year. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, yep. It, it feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it? It does. It's I insane. guess that's my favorite film of the year. Then I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a really, really long year. That feels like a lifetime ago, uh, back what, like 11, 10, 11 months ago. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Blood Vessels, an interesting little indie vampire film from Australia. Man, we've talked about a lot of Australian films. Yeah, randomly have. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of a fun one. It's like The Thing meets Dracula on a Nazi ship. I'm in, in, a, I'm in on that. A good, that's kind of cool. A good I, that line. one just hit shutter, but it's also other places to rent online. 
Um, Bad Hair on Hulu is kind of interesting. It's more comedy and more social commentary yeah. and black comedy than anything else, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I have a good, I have a good list now for, uh, to, to start kicking off here before we get to our, to our top five, top 10 list in a couple of weeks. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. I wish I had more to share, but that's, it's hasn't, it's been a weird year. Did you guys see the Wolf of Snow Hollow? I can't remember. Uh, our co-host did. And, uh, yeah. I am waiting on a Blu-ray review copy of it. I think is going to okay. come before if it doesn't come, I'll, I'll be sure to rent it. All right, guys. Uh, so, Josh, uh, tell them where uh, they can find your podcast and uh, and and you on the socials. Uh, you can find the podcast at horrormoviepodcast dot com. Um, I believe it's like on all of the major pod distributed and software apps. Got the best SEO name. Yeah, yeah. It turns out it worked out okay. It's <laughs> I, it, like it's one that I'm always embarrassed about because I wish we had a cool podcast name. But at the same time, it's very useful podcast name. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, horrormoviepodcast.com, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at horrormoviecast and on Instagram. And I don't, I, I don't think we're still on Facebook. I can't remember. <laughs> um, I am personally also on Twitter and Instagram at Icarus Arts, which is the name of my film production company it's icarus arts and entertainment um you'll find me there fantastic yeah uh you can find me guys uh on instagram mostly at the dot shape dot 1978 uh kind of posting alongside max uh and the podcast page of uh recommendations and what i've been watching lately so uh be sure to give me a follow Yep. And you can follow the uh, podcast page is Scream Cinema Pod on everything, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and then my personal page is at Screaming Cinema. So be sure to check us all out and uh, leave us a review or a recommendation on uh, on iTunes or wherever you guys listen to the podcast. We definitely appreciate that and are excited about hopefully kicking into a 2021 here so we can actually be seeing some more big budget, uh, big release horror movies for you guys. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciated your time. Uh, we'd love for you to have you come back in the future. Um, so thank you very much for joining. It's absolutely my pleasure. And uh, we're going to do our Christmas episode here in a couple of days. So we'll give you guys a shout and try to send some listeners over this way to check out your show. Fantastic. I appreciate that. Show how you feel if you forget.